Welcome to the Sharing the Heart of the Matter podcast, where we look for inspiration on the journey to discover what matters most. I'm Wynn Leon, and in this episode, I'm with my co-host, Dr. Vicki Atkinson, and we're discussing the most long distance of letters, the ones we write for our dearly departed. We talk, sometimes through tears, about writing letters to our fathers after they had passed unexpectedly, and the goodness of being able to share stories we've written down about them with our children. Vicki brings up the idea that we are a conduit between the older and younger generations, passing on stories and wisdom, especially for young ones who never got to meet their grandparents or were too young when they passed. We also talk about being vulnerable to ask questions of our family members before they pass, and honor that can be a difficult road depending on their receptivity. But by daring to be seen, we can also possibly benefit by the wonderful gift of exchanging great last lines before they pass. As a note, we recorded this conversation while some work was being done on Vicki's house. Please excuse the errant bang here and there. Despite the occasional knock, which we don't believe to be our beloveds weighing in from the beyond, we know you'll love this deep and meaningful conversation about writing to and about those we love the most. Hi, I'm Dr. Vicki Atkinson, and I'm here with my partner, Wynn Leon, and we're talking about long-distance letters. Hi, Wynn. Hi, Vicki. Hi. I'm so happy to have a little bit of time with you today because you know how much I love your book about <laughs> your father. I, I love it so much. Um, and for our listeners, you know, one of the things that um, I love the most when I read your book for the first time, because I've been through it a couple of times because there are just so many gems throughout, was this beautiful letter that you wrote to your dad. And there's a lot of context around that. But you and I have spent some time thinking about, you know, why we write, you know, creating legacies for our children, for family members and a way to honor people that aren't with us anymore. And you were so sweet every time I've said to you, we need to talk about your book a little <laughs> bit more. Um, and I'm so excited because today's that day, but um, you said you wouldn't mind actually giving us the context for the letter and then reading it for our listeners. Are you still game to do that? Absolutely. I, I gotta say, I don't think I've ever gotten through this letter without crying. I have my the tissue. Day, yeah. Yeah. The do. other day, I, my daughter and I saw somebody at Costco that looked like my dad. And it stopped me. I, I, I walked pretty quickly. It stopped me in my tracks. And she was right next to me. And she just looked at me. And she looked at the man. And even though she's never met him, yeah. I said, that looks like Bumpa. And, she's, and she just nodded her head. And when we came home, I read this letter to him. Because I wrote this letter in the book after he died, and I didn't have the chance to ever tell him that I was starting a family and that I was pregnant with Miss O. So this was my way of, you know, expressing it to him after he died. And so I read it to her. And by the time I, I was reading it to her, and then I was crying, and she was crying, and then I was like, well, why are you crying? And she's like, I'm crying because you were crying. Anyway, so I will read this letter, but I'm not sure I could do it without crying. 
No, and, and it's okay. And, and I know a lot of folks who adore you, you know, have already purchased your book, Finding My Father's Faith. And for anyone who wants to follow along, um, Wynne is beginning at the beginning on page 15 um, <laughs> with the letter and it's beautiful. So I've got my tissues handy too, but okay. you knowing how personal this is, you take your time and, you know, pause where you need to, huh? Thank you. Dear dad, I have some news. My plan was to tell you and mom when you would be home for Christmas, but now I find myself writing the most long distance of letters. I'm pregnant. Jay teases me because I myself am shocked at this news, although I went to a fertility clinic, did all the preparation for in vitro fertilization, and then had an embryo implanted. So apparently I'm not supposed to be surprised. But that it worked the first time, even though I was in deep grief over losing you, that I'd finished all the paperwork and planning for it just one day before you died, because otherwise I wouldn't have been able to finish the plan. That options of getting pregnant like this even exist for my generation and age. It all seems so miraculous. And so, yes, I am surprised. When I finished the paperwork on November 6, 2014, I sat for a few quiet minutes at my desk with the overwhelming sense that life was about to change. I had no inkling that the changes would start with your accident the very next day. But this cycle of death and birth are inter intertwined in an unfathomable way for me, even as I wish we were celebrating this together. The first question on the paperwork I filled out for the fertility clinic was, do you know why you haven't become pregnant before now? If yes, please explain. I filled in never tried. As you well know, I spent my 20s growing up and establishing my career. My 30s learning to climb mountains, spending my vacations climbing in Mexico, Russia, or to Everest Base Camp, and then getting married, but not having kids. And my early 40s figuring out how to move ahead with grace after divorce. Finally, there was no more time for dithering. It was now or never. A profile accompanies each potential sperm donor, and the one I chose was tall, athletic, finishing his biology degree, and going on to be a doctor with a good family health history. But what caught my eye was the section on personality questions. The donors rate personality characteristics and on the optimistic, pessimistic sale, he marked himself and his entire family down as optimists. Now that should fit well with our family. <laughs> of course, as with any major change, I'm scared, especially as a single mom. I don't know if you heard Jay's eulogy, but he says that many of his fatherly responses come directly from you for the things that you said when we were growing up and that those responses are pretty darn wise. I can only hope I will have that same instinct. The last time I saw you, I told you that you always made me feel so special and loved. I will do my absolute best to pass that feeling down to my child. All the materials we were working on in the couple years before your death, the recordings of your stories, your writings and emails you sent to me, as well as your comments on the draft of my project are infinitely more important to me now. I want to keep asking you questions to find out how you led your life through faith, how faith shaped you, and to work with you to discover the pieces that are passed between generations and the ones each child must make their own. But I know that you've already given me the answers, and it is up to me now to weave them together into my own story. 
I'm so lucky that we were able to finally have all those conversations that brought us together, despite our different spiritual practices, helping me to see how faith adds a depth to life and family. I wish for my child, as you wish for me, that deep contentment that comes from faith and know, as you did, that the expression of faith will likely differ in this next generation. I have so much in addition to your example to accompany on my path forward, but I see, feel such a weight of responsibility for doing it well. I want to pass on the legacy of all that you were, the fun, the laughter, the faith in God, and in the best of people, the joyfulness and the love and delight in others. I know by now you are wanting to deflect all my admiration of you, giving credit to God and turning it around in a way to encourage me. You always despise arrogance in any form, but dad, you defined a life well lived, loving and encouraging so many others. Please know that the family is taking such good care of me in this time. Mom in her delight and willingness to be useful as always, and Jay and Lindsay in their enthusiasm and optimism about what the future will bring. We all, we all miss you so much. But in the wake of your death and this new life coming into the family, we are figuring out the roles to support each other. And when I'm most fretful about whether I can do this, I feel you from just beyond the curtain, as you once described it to me, nudging me with your elbow, laughing, pulling me in close with your twinkling brown eyes, and encouraging me. You live on through us and in this new life to come. I love you, Dad, the best of all dads. You know, thank you just doesn't seem like enough, right? <laughs> and and I I realize, you know, not everyone perhaps knows that your your dad, you know, died very unexpectedly, just you know, out during the most routine, you know, of things, just on a, a bicycle ride, and no one had any idea. Not that there's a good, better, best, and all of that, but it was shocking. Yeah, you know, to say the least, and you had had the experience of knowing that you wanted to write about his faith journey, being a Presbyterian, you know, minister, a very distinguished, well-traveled, you know, man of God, man of service, you know, and the family traveling with him and your faith journey and all of that. You, you had extended time with him doing recordings and interviewing him, knowing that there was a book in you to come but this, you know, profound and, and terrible interruption, you know, <laughs> in the path that you saw unfolding, right? Uh, it changed everything, right? It did. It did. You're right. And you said that really well. I think I didn't think I was going to be doing it without him. I didn't think I was going to be yeah. doing any of this stuff without him. Without him. Yeah. And, and, you know, because, you know, your dad died unexpectedly as well. I mean, you were with him. A couple of weeks before he passed and then he died of a heart attack mm -hmm. but again he was young you didn't expect that to come happen and i think you told me once that you had a you had just prepared a father's day card for him yeah. when he passed and yeah. you've never reopened that envelope have you no, when you and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, you know, I'm showing it, you know, to our <laughs> listeners, I'm showing it to Wynn right now. It's this beautiful pink envelope, you know, yeah. that our daughter with stamps was, on it with stamps. Right. So All this was 1997. So they were three 32 cent stamps. 
you know, and it was a card that our daughter, who was two, not quite three at the time, had picked out for him. And the extra postage was important because we had just been um, to visit uh, my dad, my mom, and my sister on vacation. And our daughter included some drawings, you know, about vacation and how much mm -hmm. she missed him. And I feel like from the heft of the envelope, I must have included some photos too back in the like pre-digital days, right? When we right. had to actually, you know, pass paper to one another. But that was next month, it will have been 26 years since he passed. Mm -hmm. And I made a scrapbook of things after he he died that um, were sort of precious around the time that he passed unexpectedly. And and one of those things was um, this pink envelope that mm -hmm. contained his Father's Day card. And it was the morning that we were about to go to the post office and mail it that he died. Mm. Um, so I just I've always thought, you know, maybe one day I'll I'll open it right to see yeah. it but it it's kind of stayed nested in um the scrapbook but I was thinking too when about when I was going through it because like you reading the letter to your dad even though it's a, a very important part of your book it's that level of exposure and vulner vulnerability that mm. we feel you know when right. we put ourselves out there and I realized I hadn't read to myself, a letter that I wrote my dad, but never sent six mm. weeks after he died. And I found it after you and I were talking. Yeah. And one of the things that I said to him is that, you know, a two-year-old doesn't really understand why her grandfather is gone, right? Not quite right. three-year-old. And so when we had to explain to her that he was gone, that, you know, he'd gone to heaven, but we were going to visit you know, my mom, her grandma, and, and her um, her aunt, she started blowing kisses to the sky, oh. <laughs> you know, with, without any prompting, you know, right. that summer. And I remember thinking, oh, I need to write a letter, you know, to my dad, the, the letter that you can't ever send, right? Yep. But it's still an important message to let him know, you know, that she was yeah. thinking of him in that yeah. way. And so the letter says, you know, I look at her and try to see you. I think I see her spirit in your loving eyes. Mm. Mm. But, you know, they're the letters yeah. that you can't send, right? right? That stick with your heart. But I, I, what I love about that is that you and I have these kind of twin experiences about writing letters to our Mm -hmm. Dear, dear, dear departed fathers. Right. But in some ways, we know they'll never receive in a conventional sense, but still yeah. it's important to send it, right? Yeah. And it's important in so many ways to write it down because we can, you know, you know, my daughter never met my dad and yeah. your daughter did, but at a very young age. And so we can right. pass down that generational, um, these were examples of really great yeah. people um and these were the people that lived well good lives and you and i've talked about this a lot um yeah. they were people that looked out for others they were the people that were of service to others they were yeah. they taught us to be kind and and there's it's passing down that thread of yeah. knowing that to our daughters isn't it and and yeah. my son as well but right um, 
Right, that stuff that we talk about sometimes about generational goodness, you know, that, that we hope, you know, our kids will be able to see in us so that they connect, can connect with a generation right. that's physically out of reach, but, you know, spiritually, impactfully, yes. you know, we, we want our fathers to be close. And that's yes. why I love the story, you know, about you and Miss O being at Costco yeah. and you having this really like arrested moment, but but her picking up on it, right? Yeah. That there, you know, it was those reminders that you talk about the gentle nudges, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. And from when they're just, they're just beyond the veil and you just feel them so closely. And then you remember to talk about them. At yes. least for me, that's, those are my reminders to talk about my dad with my kids. And the other day, Olivia had Somebody was bothering her at school. And, and I told the story. I, you know what your bumpa did? He once had a bully when he was in sixth grade that <laughs> the, the bully insisted that my dad carry him home from school. Give him oh, a piece back right. Oh, 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 and I'm sure he was a large bully, right? I don't know. They were in, oh. I think, fifth or sixth grade. And so oh I told God. the story that, you know, one day, Bubba just threw him, you know, tipped his head forward and threw him over his back. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and that was the end of the demand to be carried home. And Miss Olivia was just so fascinated. Yeah. By yeah. that. Um, story. Yeah, he was she a was... bucking bronco. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Tell, yeah. Tell me again what Bumpa did when he when he yeah. had a bully. So, you know, passing down the goodness of um somebody else's experience and paying, paying those stories forward. Yeah. And I think making those connections and you're so good about it throughout finding my father's faith, you bring forward all of those things where your father provided such, you know, rich and wonderful lessons. And yet he didn't guide with a really firm hand. He would take you to experiences and watch what unfolded, but he he made no demands. He somehow trusted that you would get what you needed, you know, kind right. of on life's journey. And even as you were talking to him and doing the recordings, he was so open to you and his wisdom, right? Yeah. About sharing without directing. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's definitely that's that's definitely my father to a T, which is not he was not he was curious, he was open, he was kind, but he wasn't Judge Bennell, or nor did he think he had all the answers. Well, and I think one of the things that you and I have talked about is, you know, wanting, despite this generational gap that, you know, you and I exist in between, right, to see that, that resonance, you know, of goodness, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but it, it can't happen unless we're the conduit. We have to provide yeah. Right. You know, that connection. Oh, my gosh. Here I am saying this to an electrical engineer. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, and we should say while you're having electrical work done on your house. And that's why the, the pounds and the I creaks know. in the background. There's, there's a lot of electricity in this conversation. <laughs> I know I was going to apologize about that I, for our listeners. I, you know, Wynn is quite the expert with like sound engineering now, too. But, uh, you know, if you're picking up on. What the heck's the banging and clanking going on just beneath me? We have four wonderful electricians helping to recreate our kitchen, which we don't have at the moment. But yeah, I apologize. But yes, electric. Yes, (laughs) yes. yes. So yes, the conduit to the next. Let's get us back on track. The conduit (laughs) to the next generation. Yes. Yeah. 
it's healing at least at least i find that for me it's healing for me to also you know feel my dad's energy and integration uh, as i yeah. pass it on to my kids yeah absolutely and storytelling is a huge part of that but then the other thing that i picked up on when um you know for our listeners when was really excited just to tell me the story about you know this a magical experience, you know, a spiritual experience at Costco, right? <laughs> a very unexpected thing. Yes. But the fact that you, I think on a parenting level, right, you, you pause, but didn't censor your reaction. And I think yeah. sometimes not wanting to be in the moment or not being sure about what we're feeling, you know, we can skip right past it, but you didn't do that with her. You, you had the moment and then you explained it to her, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, My kids dealing with their emotions has made me far more clued into my own. And that's been a great lesson in emotional intelligence for me. Uh, So I I appreciate just sharing it with them. And, you know, the fact of just sitting in front of my daughter and crying as I read that letter to her, you know, it's good for her. She doesn't see grownups cry very often. And and she's asked me about that. Why don't grownups cry? You know, and just to know that. These are deep yeah. and lasting bonds, and it's okay. It's yeah. okay to cry about them. It's okay to celebrate them. Yeah. Okay well, and, them. and even if you think about the conversation that we're having, despite you know the mayhem in my house right now, <laughs> you know, those opportunities to talk to someone you know that you care about about people that you care about, right? So this mm-hmm. is like treasured time for me every time I get to talk to you about your dad, or then share a morsel from my own. Yeah. Those are the moments that matter because that's how they continued, you know, to populate Mm -hmm. our heads and hearts that they, you know, I wish that we had other avenues, right? Because if you could get your dad to pop back in for, let's say, even a half an hour, I'm sure you have a very long list, as do I. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Right? But until we figure all that out, you know, the only way we can do that is, you know, communicate with, you know, our memories, right? Right. That's right. That's absolutely right. And our mm. colleague Brian had such a beautiful post this week about um, wanting to spend five minutes with his father, who's who's long gone as well. And he had a whole yeah. list of conversation topics from the the mundane. Uh, it was uh, yep. something about their how their baseball team was doing to yeah. how he wanted to remodel the house and getting his dad's ideas on that. So yeah, yeah, no, you're all, right. Then that was just this week, right? Right, that was. Yeah. And I think just generally, I think you and I are finding, you know, a few months into our heart of the matter journey and the podcasting that one of the connecting threads for a lot of our, our readers or, and listeners is thinking about family stories, you know, mm-hmm. and how to, to tell stories respectfully, to honor people, right. um, you know, that aren't present. And I know we'll be doing, you know, more thinking about that in the weeks to come, but that that seems to be a point of connection as we're building community for others that we all right. have had loss. Um, yes. And sometimes it's a mixed bag, right? We're grateful, you know, that um, we're through certain episodes or times in our lives, but we want to look back with goodness too. And and that's, that isn't always the easiest thing to do. It isn't. And, you know, I, I recently was writing about my dad's last line that he said to me, which is yes. we met for, the, the last time I saw him in person, we met for breakfast. Yeah. You know, I showed up and he was like, you look good. And which <laughs> I was, love you that know, so much. Yeah, my dad so was much. so enthusiastic. You know, you could have, I could have just written that off as 
dad being yeah. his um, gregarious self. But I knew yeah. that what he meant was that the shine was back in my eyes after going through divorce and going through the ups and downs of life and figuring out meditation yeah. and how to irrigate all the, I knew that he was talking about that because yeah. we'd had those vulnerable con conversations. Yeah. Now I know as I wrote that post that my conversations with my dad about his faith traditions, about opening up about the fact that we did spirituality differently, slightly yes. differently. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that's not everybody's going to be everybody's experience. Not every right. parent is going to be open. Not everybody that we need, need to talk to is going to be that open. Mm -hmm. My dad was unusually receptive. Mm -hmm. But I think the point is when we have those conversations with the people and then they unexpectedly pass, we, yeah. we have those great last lines because we shared ourselves and and tried yeah yeah and I think along the way you know you knew because you'd had such concentrated time with your dad you know really talking about the things that matter um and and you know he knew even though like you said he's was not one to kind of seek the spotlight he knew that the topic of your book was him largely yeah. right yeah but he also, I think, in the time that you spent kind of gathering all the information that you wanted and needed to do justice to his story, I think he, and you often say this, I think he saw you, right, yep. as a, a grown-up, as an adult, as his mm -hmm. beautiful, accomplished daughter. But I think he saw you, right, mm -hmm. in a way that you really wanted to be seen. And it wasn't that, you know you had on a snazzy outfit that day when he said you look good, <laughs> although yes. you may have, but right, he was going for the, the right. soul work, right? Mm -hmm. You know, my, my darling daughter, you look good, right? Which, yeah. What, yeah. what does every father want to be able to see? They want that, right? Right, right. And what yeah. a gift it was. I mean, neither of us knew that he was going to die six days later, but that, to be able to have that level of being seen before he passed was, you know, infinitely valuable to me. Absolutely. Yeah. And and yeah. I remember being at the airport and it was actually just a week before my dad died that um, my mom and dad drove, you know, our daughter and, um, you know, husband and I, we drove us to the airport at like four o'clock in the morning. And even though it was, you know, beyond the crack of dawn or before, I remember my dad getting out of the car and his his thing with with me was baby girl, which I think a lot of, you know, little girls, you know, hear from their fathers. But yeah. he hadn't said that to me as a grown up woman for a really long time. Right. But his last line and hug was, you know, love you, baby girl. Mm. It, you know, and so I think those things stick with you. you know, yeah. and, and your dad saying you look good. Right. I see right. you. And those little terms of endearment, they matter yeah. and we hold they on do. to them. We do. Yeah. And, you know, mm -hmm. talking with your daughter now, I mean, she's all grown up. Yes. Do you still talk about stories about your dear dad with your dear daughter? <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's it's funny. I know we'll talk more about, you know, my, my book, Surviving Sue, about my mom's life that's yeah. coming out this summer. But one of the things that our daughter said is she read it because it was really important. And, and we'll be talking more about this, too, that, you know, family that are associated with a story need to know, you know, when mm. one of us sits down to write because it's not exclusively my story to tell. But as she read the final draft, one of the first things she said had very little to do 
you know, with, with my mom, we called her nanny, um, not grandma. That's in the book also about why that <laughs> is. But, um, but she said, I, I wish, you know, I, I had knew, known grandpa better um, mm-hmm. because there, his strength, his resolve, you know, to mm-hmm. deal with, you know, my mom who was complicated, my sister and her disabilities, she saw his strength come through. And mm-hmm. so I, you know, of all the things that she could have said, you know, that was one that helped me as a writer mm-hmm. know that I had done the right thing. If what she got, you know, from the story was, I, I'm part of that gene pool. It exists yes. with me. You know, I'm strong also. That's exactly what I know he would want her yes. to feel. So, yeah, I think it does make it easier because now there's more of an open conversation for her to ask questions. But also, like you said, she was not quite three at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, Miss O is, you know, a young lady now, never had the, you know, not quite eight-year-old, didn't have the, yeah. the benefit of knowing her. Is it Bubba? Bumpa. Bumpa. Bumpa, Bumpa. Yeah. Right. And and so that's on you, right, to bring yeah. that forward so that she's got a platform where she can come back to you and ask questions. And mm-hmm. one day she'll be a reader of Finding My Father's Faith, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and and as as with your daughter, those probably are our most important readers. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It it mattered greatly. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, and yeah. That, that she was okay with how she was treated in the book, how I, you know, wrote mm-hmm. about some of her experiences as a very little girl, but also that she would see the delicate dance that it was to tell the story mm-hmm. truthfully, but also honor all the players in it. Right, right. And it can be done. Yeah. And and goodness knows you've, you've done that. And I think it's <laughs> one of the ties that binds us, and it's why we're mm-hmm. so... I think focused on supporting other writers in all the ways that we can, not because we know everything. Some days I think we know nothing, right? (laughs) Most days. (laughs) Right. But we, you know, try to do what we can to help and encourage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Tears and all. Tears Tears and and all. all. Thank you so much for encouraging me and letting me talk about my dear dad and our long distance love letters. Yes, and thank you for for doing what I know was vulnerable and, and reading that beautiful letter that's on page 15. And, you know, <laughs> I know you'll put in the show notes where folks can find your book and, and all yeah. of that important detail. But thank you, Wen. It was a treat. Such a pleasure. Thank you for listening. Our music is With a Little Help from My Friends by Lennon and McCartney, performed by Carolyn Leon. Please visit our website at sharingtheheartofthematter.com for show notes and more great inspirations.